What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, back in action here on a Sunday afternoon. It is April 18th, 2021. Jack Vita here, and we have a great guest that we will be bringing in in a second. Before I do that, though, I just want to say, if you guys are enjoying the Jack Vita Show, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and log on to my site, jackvita.com. We got a lot of real fun stuff coming up on the uh, on the radar. Next week, I will be talking with one of these stars from the Bachelor franchise, who's actually a huge Atlanta Braves fan. So very excited to have him on the show. His name is Garrett Powell. And uh, yeah, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on that. We'll be talking plenty of sports. And I know we have a lot of new listeners now today with our guest who's joining us, who is very uh, well-versed in the challenge universe of MTV. Um, I did interview Jay Starrett a couple months ago. If you guys want to check out my interview with Jay, you can go back and listen to that one. Um, I went on Joey Ricotta's podcast this past week, and we discussed the challenge on there. Uh, His show is called Stuffing the Stat Sheet. Had a lot of fun, recorded two episodes, talking baseball, talking the challenge, Today, we're talking baseball with the man himself of one of the co-hosts of one of the most popular challenge podcasts there is, Brian Cohen, who hosts the Challenge Rahap-Up. Did I say that right? Rahap-Up? That's right. Rahap-Up. There we go. Okay. He hosts the Challenge Rahap-Up on Rob Has a Podcast Podcast Network. He's a huge Yankees fan, and uh, he's uh, having a rough time this weekend. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Louie. Thanks, Jack. Great to be here. Yeah, it's a rough time, to say the least. It's not how I imagined uh, mid-April Yankee baseball talk going, but uh <laughs> could be the dawn of a new uh, a new age here. It's not, not, not fun stuff. Ooh, wow. What do you mean by that? Dawn of a new age? But, uh, I mean, I was, we were talking off. I'm in a dark place with this team right now. The, <laughs> the last few years, like there was so much optimism surrounding this new group of young guys. And then it, it just feels like, I don't know, they're in a, just these first 15 games. It seems like anything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong. And amazingly, they're healthy, which seems like always has been the stuff. And it's like health isn't even the issue. So, yeah, so a lot to talk about with this team. But uh, baseball, is, I mean, it's great to have it back. It's nice to see fans back in the stadium again. Um, it, it's nice to hear the booze back in Yankee Stadium. We heard a lot of that this weekend, but just, even just the cheering and stuff. So it's great to, great to have baseball back. Yeah, and Brian, uh, everyone who knows you knows you as, I mean, for the most part, they know you as a challenge guy or reality TV guy. You do reality TV podcasts. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your baseball fandom, baseball background? Yeah, sure. So baseball for me has been my number one sport since growing up. Uh, I was a Yankee fan basically since 90, I was 1995, 1996 was my first year. That was when I was five, six years old. So I really caught the caught the Yankees at the perfect time growing up watching the the dynasty born as right as I started to become a fan and from there just been hooked Yankees Yankee fan uh, my entire life giant fan right around the same time too um and those have been my teams and baseball for me you know I played baseball as a kid growing up so that was my love for baseball was kind of both ways playing it watching it um so yeah so you know Yankees for me is is my religion that's you know spring <laughs> summer fall that's you you know when I got uh, where I was planning my uh, wedding with my wife, I'm like, we can't do October because you know I can't be distracted <laughs> with Yankee playoff games. That's how deep this goes. So for me, baseball is uh, my number one. I love that. That's great. So you grew up in New York too, for that matter? 
Yeah, I grew up in New York, Long Island, um, which is usually more Met fan territory. A lot of my fans are actually Met fans, so it's I'm like one of the few outliers amongst them. They're usually Long Island is mostly Met uh, and usually Jet. For me, I'm a Yankee Giant, so I had a much better childhood than a lot of uh, a lot of my friends. <laughs> two giant Super Bowls, at least in the 2000s. I, 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 my memory doesn't go back to the 90s. I can't remember the last time they won before that, but. Yeah, good. they were last one before my time, but they made it in 2000, which was fun. And then I think they had like the worst Super Bowl performance of all time when they got blown out by the Ravens. <laughs> yeah. They only their one touchdown was on a kick return, and the Ravens returned that kick back for a touchdown. So we had a celebration for like 10 seconds, and then uh, that was it. But uh, yeah, Giants have been uh, good it, most of my life. Again, kind of dark times with them the last few years too. So it's you know <laughs> amazingly the Knicks are the best thing going on in my life right now, which I don't think I've ever said before in my entirety. <laughs> That's wild. So you uh, mentioned here as you as you came in that this is not where you were expecting the Yankees to be with the worst record in the American League as of yeah. April 18th. Uh, this is pretty wild. Where were you expecting them to be at this point? I mean, they usually are typically a slow starting team in April, but it's usually, you know, 500 and it's usually like the offense is going, but the pitching is, is scuffling and you can try to sort that out through. But here, I mean, the pitching started off actually not too bad. The last few games is really kind of where the pitch has gone downhill. But I mean, I, I saw there were some stats now flying around on Twitter about some of the, the numbers the Yankees offense have put together. This is like the worst offense they've had through 15 games since like the early 60s. Like this is now like wow. like the, the dead dead ball era Yankee team that we're talking about, like the average slugging. I mean, you look down the line, like, I mean, the, the, only, the only one who's even reasonably doing well is LeMayhew, and even he was, uh, even he's had some bad moments through here. So there really is no one that, like, you're looking at, like, okay, at least he's doing well. Everyone down the board is, it's as bad as it can get with them being healthy. This, this is as bad as it's as it's been for 15 games. Yeah, I really feel... I feel bad for you <laughs> because <laughs> we scheduled this podcast a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I was thinking, okay, Rays Yankees second second weekend we're probably talking about these teams being neck and neck, probably splitting 3 and 3, maybe 4 mm-hmm. and 2. That's not the case. Tampa Bay Rays uh have steamrolled the Yankees through these first 6 games. They've taken 5 of 6 including a sweep this weekend in New York. That's that's actually, it's perfect, even though it's not great for you on a personal level mm-hmm. from your enjoyment, it is perfect to have you here because this is definitely the headline going into the week. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really not even just, you know, these six games. The Rays have beaten up on the Yankees now for a couple of years now. I think it's seven straight series they've won. Wow. Obviously, they knocked them out of the playoffs last year. So, like, they've... Uh, they've str- struggled with Tampa for many years now. Really, you know, ever since the new core kind of came about, 17, 18, they've really... You know they've never really done well at the trap recently, so this is their really their big thorn on the side. Like they handled the division pretty well outside of it, but the Rays have have really owned them for the last few years, and it's it's you know it's it's always that like big guy little guy thing, two hundred twenty million dollar payroll <laughs> against the forty million dollar payroll, and whatever the Rays do, that seems to work out the last few years against the Yan- every Joey Wendell now is the new Yankee killer. <laughs> uh, Choi last year was you know he dominated them. Whoever they pick up, it seems that. They're the one, they're the new guy. Well, two years ago, the Yankees won the division by a considerable margin. I know they won, they they won at least a hundred games two years ago, twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, if it, maybe like one hundred five, one hundred six. Yeah, that was one yeah. of their better teams that they've had for sure. Yeah, and the Rays won ninety five, but it was I remember those games. 
The Yankees thumped them that year in particular. Mm-hmm. I, I think they took like 12 of 18 or 12 of 19, something like that. Uh, the Rays were demolished by the Yankees in that particular year. But as you mentioned, since that year, it's really the script has been flipped entirely in the opposite direction. Yeah, and, and it's again, it's all facets. That, you know, their pitching has been much better. The timely hitting, the power hitting. You know, the people, the the joke around the Yankees, oh, they hit too many home runs, too many home runs. Well, the other games right night, the Rays hit three home runs, and that was the difference. It's a, if anything, the Yankees right now, it's just they're just not hitting enough home runs. Like that's really, you know, they're built as a home run team, which a lot of people give them slack for, which it could be a reason why they fail sometimes. But here, they're just they're just not hitting home runs. So. Uh, the Rays, you know, they're doing everything that they need to do. Even when the Rays have defensive lapses and it seems like, all right, they're, you know, maybe they're going to give a game away here. They, like they did yesterday, they find the way to, to pull it out. Yeah, it's been really shocking. Again, I did, I was expecting, I tweeted this out last week going into Friday. My prediction going into the season, I actually did have the Rays winning this division. A lot of people, I think, were sleeping on the Rays and we can discuss that a little more, but I was expecting this to be the closest division race. And there's still a lot of time. We're just mm-hmm. getting going here uh, in mid-April. But uh, I was expect- I was thinking, okay, this is going to be a division rivalry that goes neck and neck. We've had a lot of animosity between the two teams. Uh, last year's playoff game, I mean, went to five. That really was mm-hmm. a coin flip game. Could have yep. gone either way. Uh, but yeah, obviously it's been a, it's been a different story. I I was expecting this to be the closest division race this season. Yeah. I mean, the one thing good about the situation is I think the Ellis is probably the weakest division in at least the American league. I mean, you see, look at the Red Sox, like to me, I don't know. Their offense obviously is great, but their, their pitching is going to bring them back down. So I'm not really too, I'm not too concerned about any team in this division. We're winning like a hundred games and running away. So you're not concerned about Baltimore and they're, uh, they're about to sweep the Rangers here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, not too concerned about them. Uh, not too concerned about the Blue Jays either. I mean, the Blue Jays have some pieces, but I kind of think they're like the Astros of like 2015. They're still, yeah. like, I feel like they're still a couple years away before they could fully be a real threat. So, I mean, this could be a division where you know 88 wins could could take it. But um, so that's why you know I'm not jumping off the bridge just yet. But uh, this I, this is where we thought, all right, you know, the Yankees could cruise to this division, and now it, I mean, at least for the next couple of months, it, it's going to definitely going to be a battle. Yeah, you know, the prevailing sentiment going into the season that I was really hearing everywhere was, well, pencil the Yankees in as your AL favorite. And part of it is the fact that the American League is wide open. There isn't really a dominant team this year. Uh, But I really do think that a lot of people were sleeping on the Rays. Last year, they won. They had the best record in the American League. They won 40 out of 60 games. They did lose Blake Snell, and they lost Charlie Morton. But this is a team that's thrived on their bullpen. So Mm -hmm. what's really interesting is the Rays, like I'm talking about how much, how high I am on the Rays and the Rays are just a 500 club so far, but the Rays were expected to come out of the gate slow because they're starting pitchers that they picked up older guys who didn't get fully stretched out at spring training. We were expecting those guys to kind of, you know, need a month or two to kind of hit midseason form and see who those guys were, whether it's Archer, whether it's Waka or Colin McHugh or Rich Hill, who are those guys and who's going to emerge? Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely feel a lot better about the Rays at this point than I do the Yankees, obviously. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the Rays monster, right? They, you know, you think when, oh, they lose David Price, they lose Chris Archer, they're going to fall apart. They lose now, they lose Snell, they lose more and they're going to fall apart. They you know, they find a way. They they get very creative to maximize what the talent that they have. You know, they put their guys in 
the best position possible to get the most out of them, both from their lineup and their pitching. They just find a way to stretch people's values as much as they can. So it's like I knew that, you know, just because they lost Snell and they lost Morton, and they know, all right, they're not going to drop down to a 70 win team. They're going to yeah. be, they're going to be in the mix. Are they, but again, are they like a 100 win team that's going to run away? I don't think so, but. You know they're going to be in the mix. You know for the vision for a potential wildcard team. Like you can't. The Rays know how to build a, at least a competitive team at the bare minimum at this point. Yeah, and Blake Snell's pitching right now for the Padres. We'll talk more Padres Dodgers a little later. But um, I had to shut that screen off so I didn't get distracted because uh-huh. I'm so drawn to that series and yeah. the rivalry this year. Um, but Blake Snell. I just want to bring up Blake Snell. This is why I think the Rays can exist without Blake Snell. Blake Snell won the Cy Young in 2018. He was phenomenal. 2019, he was an average pitcher in the American League. He 429 ERA, 1.27 whip, and the Rays won 96 games in spite of that. So mm-hmm. with you could plug in another pitcher, get the same contribution. I think the Rays can still win 95 games this year. Yeah, I mean, people I think are still thinking about like that World Series performance that Snell had last year, which is really like his outside of like obviously the Cy Young. Yeah, that was like his like peak peak stuff. But Snell yeah. really is kind of an inconsistent guy. He's battled some injuries. He hasn't really put it together for like a full kind of multi year stretch run. So losing him is yeah, you're not losing Jacob Degrom out of your rotation. Like he he is you know not replacement level stuff, but you can replace him with you know a couple of good starters and a couple of good relievers. You can piece together what Snell could give you over a full year. Yeah, and the Rays have six top 85 prospects that we're going to see this year. Wander Franco being the main attraction, number one prospect in all of baseball. I'm excited to see what he brings. Uh, I'm sure you aren't as a Yankees fan. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, Blake Snell, he's a really good pitcher, but I think the fact that Tyler Glass now emerged as really a legitimate Cy Young contender this year, mm-hmm. I think him and Cole are going to end up being 1-2 in Cy Young voting this year. He made those guys, uh, I don't want to say expendable, but they were able to, uh, replaceable, I guess I would say. Yeah, uh, the Pirates, the team that keeps on giving with uh, <laughs> that, that. I don't know, I mean, the, the, that trade, that, that's going to look, I mean, we'll see how the careers that class now and medals put together, but that could be, look, I mean, it's already looked back upon, it's one of the worst trades, but if they, uh, you know, really put it together, I mean, that's, oh boy, so thank you, Pittsburgh, for putting those two guys in, uh, in this division for the next, you know, five, seven years. <laughs> No, it's it's really wild with the Pirates. I was talking about this last week. Musgrove leaves. He throws a no-hitter mm-hmm. in San Diego. Uh, Archer goes back to the Rays. And, you know, granted, it's only been a couple of starts for him, and he got pulled. Uh, he was having some forearm tightness last yeah. week. Uh, but he looked good. I mean, what is it with the Pirates? Are they just not good at using these pitchers, developing these pitchers? Because it seems that every single guy – when they leave Pittsburgh, I mean, Trevor Williams looked really good for the Cubs yesterday. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't understand it. I don't know. And there was a time, because uh, I actually have a friend for someone who's a Pirates fan, and there was a time like six, seven years ago where they would actually be, uh, you know, bringing pitchers around. Like, I remember after the Yankees, A.J. Burnett went there, and he had a couple of really good years. They had a couple of years, but they were, uh, I don't remember who their pitch coach was at the time, but he was getting a big reputation for turning guys around. They were kind of, It was kind of the opposite yeah. situ- situation. And now, yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, Garrett Cole is probably one of the biggest examples. He was, you know, we had a good, good couple of years with them, but he was kind of inconsistent. They were wondering where, if he can maximize his potential, and he goes to the Astros, and now he's like one of the best pitchers in the game. So, yeah, I don't know what it is with guys leaving Pittsburgh now, or because people say, oh, you know, they could have had this great rotation, but I don't know if they would have been as good with, with Pittsburgh. I don't know if maybe they needed to leave and 
uh, the light switch on with other teams, I don't, I don't know if they would be the, the level of the guys that they would be if they stayed there. It's just unbelievable because they traded Cole. They get Musgrove in that trade. They trade Musgrove. The Archer trade, as we mentioned, and uh, what happened with uh, with Glass now moving over to Tampa. It, mm-hmm. That's definitely one thing I'm watching for this year is how do how do Musgrove, how do Trevor Williams, and how do uh, Jamison Tyon pitch this year? How's Tyon, yeah, Tyon. look for you guys? Yeah, I mean, his first start, he came out looking really good. Obviously, they're going to take it easy with him. His first start in a couple of years, I think he only threw four innings, but he looked pretty good. Next time out, he looked a little more shaky, a little more consistent in the strike zone, which you can expect with, you know, really not having a major league game in over two years. So um, I, I'm optimistic on him going forward. I, I think he could be a, a pretty good contributor, especially because now there's the history of people leaving Pittsburgh and being really good. So I'm <laughs> hoping he follows in the footsteps and I'm hoping, you know, Cole loves him. Um, every, you know, I remember one thing he took him out once Tyon left his first star, Cole had like a big smile on his face uh, when they embraced. So I'm hoping Cole uh, can really pass along some tutelage to, to Tyon. And I think he'll actually be a pretty good piece in the rotation for the Yankees. I, I, I'm a little more optimis- optimistic on him. So past Cole, who do you trust in this rotation right now? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I mean, I like I like Jordan Montgomery. I think he's like a pretty solid like three or four starter. Um, you know, he's not going to go out there and dominate. He's not going to win a Cy Young, but he's he's a pretty service. He's much better at home than he is on the road. He seems to struggle re- very mightily on the road, but you know, he can put up there some quality starts. So he's okay. Kluber, I like the signing. I think it was a good worthwhile flyer especially because you know they brought in the indians pitching coach i thought he might be able to to kind of rectify where kluber was a few years ago but he's really not looked that good old that much at all i'm waiting for them to call back up debbie garcia because i think that was the ultimate downfall of the team last year and not using him properly in the division series so i'm very excited to see what he uh can bring and then it's i mean once again it's really just you know they're built on the bullpen they're going to try to get five innings out of these guys and the bullpen is really good. Britain will come back soon. And that's really the strength of the team. It's, it's Cole. And then, you know, you try to get five innings, two or three runs out of your starters. And then ideally the offense is the team, part of the team that's supposed to put up five, six runs a game. And that's how they're going to win. But that's, you know, that's not been happening. Yeah. So I'm curious now, as you mentioned with that rotation, well, actually I'll, I'll go back to what you're saying. So uh, did you see this piece Joel Sherman wrote in the offseason about Garrett Cole being the most indispensable player in baseball? Yeah, and I, I think there's a very good case to be made. He's definitely in the conversation for sure. Yeah, I th- I agree with it. I mean, it's just the fact that there are so many guys in this rotation that I feel like are typically the guys you bring in when you have a solid three. You take mm-hmm. a flyer on this guy as your four, your five, and maybe you kick the tires and you get something out of them. And they need they need these guys to step up. They need these guys to emerge this year. Uh, now, the Yankees are a team that has a lot of money, has uh, some prospect capital. They could add something at the deadline. And I actually think, you know, so I live here in Chicago, Brian, mm-hmm. um, so I watch a lot of Cubs. And I think Zach Davies could end up being a potential trade chip if uh, if he he's gotten off to a poor start here. But I I think Zach Davies is a really good pitcher. He could fill in and uh, solidify that Yankees rotation come deadline time. Yeah, no, I think that would be a great add. I mean, I think he's kind of the guy that they would kind of need to have. They don't need to have like another big power arm. They actually, you know, with Cole and a lot of their bullpen, they have a lot of good power arms, and hopefully with Severino back another power arm. So having that kind of variety in the rotation would be good Davies um has a good track record it'd be interesting to see how you come over in the American League and do but yeah um I think that would be an interesting piece if they could they could bring over I already have my 
I mean, this is not a pitcher, but the target that I have, because I'm now all in on the idea that once you get these Colorado hitters out of cores, they actually do a lot better. You know, we've seen it with DJ. I, I think Arenado is already off to a good start. I think the, he can win the MVP this year. I think he's going to have a big year. So my eyes are all on Trevor Story. Um, I think Ooh. he's, you know, the Glaber experiment at shortstop is going very poorly. I think it's starting to get to him mentally. I think a lot, a lot of his offensive struggles might be coming down with that. I think he's built to be a second baseman. Uh, you could boot DJ to first because they, you know, I, th- I think that opens things up. And you know, he's the guy that I think uh, I could see them really. And he's a free agent this year, so I, I think he's like the main target that I have in mind right now for for this team. I like that. I like that. So, what kind of package are you offering up to Colorado? What do you yeah, think I mean, is fair? It's an expiring contract, so it is. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I saw people like uh, New York Post throwing stupid ideas around like they should uh, uh, do a great Glaber Torres in a trade for him, which is obviously a ridiculous uh, conversation. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you see the price for these, you know, big expiring, you know, free agent hitters. It's it's not as steep as it might be. I mean, especially because I think the, isn't the deadline now? It's still in August again. So even if you get him, uh, you know, with six weeks left, that could even you know lessen the price tag a lot. So I don't think it's a require like that you know like a debbie garcia or someone like that but i mean at some point you got to start pushing your chips in the middle yeah i'm worried they are holding on to some of these guys like clint frazier and miguel anduhar and then all of a sudden you know they get a little bit more exposed and they lose all their values so if you know they come asking for like a clark schmidt or or something like that at some point you know you got to push these ships in the middle and get the guy you need to you know there was conversations about other big guys like luis castillo i know it's been talked about but when you can get a big guy sometimes don't Go clutching onto your to the prospects. Go get the big guy. Yeah, I got a friend who's been on this show a few times, Jonathan Jaggard, and he his quote, he always says, The Yankees are known or the the Rays are known for selling high on players. The Yankees are known for selling low on players. hmm Yeah. <laughs> I mean they, it's interesting, you know, they 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 make the trades, like they are aggressive in making trades. Like they try bringing in pitches. They brought in Sonny Gray, they brought in James Paxton, they made the deal for Tyon, but they don't like they haven't really made the trade for a big time starter or a big time hitter. They usually do those in the off season and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. They, they they don't make the A trade. Like you know, you see the the package obviously for like Chris Sale and Mookie Betts. Those aren't the guys the Yankees have been trading for uh, in recent years. Obviously, they made the big signing of Cole, but you know they're they're a little reluctant to make the big minor league package deal to get a big time star. Yeah, I mean they took on the Stanton contract, but that mm-hmm. was now over three years ago so since right. then we haven't really seen that and that they really didn't have to give up like you know much prospect capital like yeah. i said that was a big you know taking on salary type situation yeah so how does it get better i mean are you hopeful at all do you think that this offense just i mean what needs to happen that a uh, few weeks from now we're silencing these doubts mm-hmm. that we have about the yankees I mean, I look, I think that the offense is, they're too good to be obviously this, like, they're not going to be this bad. Like, I know yeah. the offense is going to come around, but there are a couple of things that, like, I am genuinely worried about. I think first and foremost, the, and the guy, the, I don't think he's getting as much slack as he should, but the, the guy I'm most, most concerned about is Glaber Torres. Because, you know, he came on 2018, 2019 at 22 years old, 23 years old, maybe even 21 when he first came up. And the production he was putting up, it was the level of, like, you know, Francisco Lindor, Corsi. Like, he was supposed to be that level of guy, like a real building block that could be on the Yankees for the next 20 years. And he was really bad last year. I didn't really fully recognize how bad he was. I was looking at some of his stats again this year. Like, he slugged under 400 this year. He's even worse. Obviously, we talked about his defense is, is looking bad. So... He is, to me, first and foremost, the guy that needs to turn around because Judge and Stan, you know, we know what they are. They're going to 
strike out a lot. They're going to a lot of home runs. They're going to drive in runs. Aaron Hicks, like him batting third is obviously ridiculous, but he's like, I mean, he's not like the focal point of the offense. So to me, the guy that needs needs to turn around and show that he is like that lifelong Yankees, Glaber Torres. All right. So uh, any uh, any other thoughts you have here on the Yankees? I hope this has been a nice uh, little therapy session for you, Brian. Bit. It's been nice. <laughs> Most of my thoughts have been like typing out and deleting tweets because I don't want to like to, to throw out any angry words. I get like suspended off Twitter or like just picking up things in my head. So it's been nice to uh, speak of that a little bit. <laughs> for sure. So nothing else on the Yankees for you? A no, East? Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, uh, it's it's... It's. I'm glad they're off tomorrow. Everyone needs to like kind of break away from a little bit. Yeah. Uh, get away from it. But I mean, we'll see what the the deal is with Boone and Cashman. I know a lot of people. That's like the now move, new movement on Twitter is you know when are we calling for their heads and for Boone. It's it was a weird decision when they hired him in the first place. I mean, the guy has never managed literally any game and before. Obviously, I mean, he, they hired him. I'm sure he had a great interview. I'm sure he did. Um, but he was only really interviewed because of his home run. You know, he had 20 years ago. So. Um, <laughs> I'm not fully sold on him as a manager. Like, and Brian Cashman, look, he's a great GM. He is. He's made a lot of good deals over the years. You know, he's really, you know, he's brought in guys like Luke Voigt and Gio Urshela and those guys that worked out. But, I mean, the dude's been the GM since 1998. Like, this should not be a lifelong situation. I mean, they've won one World Series in over 20 years. They've only been to that, you know, one World Series um, since 2003, just the 2009 one. So, at a certain point, like, some fresh ideas, some fresh blood is not like the worst thing. I'm sure if Cashman was ever let go, he'd be scooped up in a second, and that's yeah. fine. But you know, it's not you, you can't be the GM for life here. So I, I don't. I, I'm I, obviously not yet. We have this more than 15 games go out before we're making any type of radical moves like that. But you know, you're 80 games in, and they're I don't know. If I could do math really quick, like 40 and you know, 55 or whatever, 30 and 50 or whatever it is, then yeah, maybe we'll have that type of conversation. But I, I don't think it's as absurd as um, it might seem. Yeah, well, I will just back you up by saying I'm a huge uh, fan of Joe Girardi. Now, I am a little biased because he lived around here. We knew his family a little bit. Uh, he's a great man. Uh, but I was I was sad to see him go from the Yankees, and yeah. I'm happy to see that he's doing a good job with the Phillies. No, I, I'm rooting for him. Um, you know, with Didi on that Phillies team, it's it, I don't. I'm definitely pulling for them, especially you know they battle in the Mets. So I don't. I don't. <laughs> with my wife and Mets, I don't root against the Mets anymore. Like I'm more, as I say, I'm neutral now. But I, <laughs> I, I would like to see uh, Didi and Girardi do well. Those are two of my favorites. All right, good stuff. Yeah. So you mentioned, I guess, the last thing on the American League East here, uh, the Red Sox. They had won <laughs> nine, ten in a row. They're playing some good baseball. I'm on the same page with you. I don't trust their pitching at all. I think their uh, their schedule is going to catch up with them. They haven't had to face the Rays or the Yankees quite yet. Uh, so I think this division a month, month and a half from now is going to be looking entirely different. And I do think the Yankees are going to uh, pull it together and, you know, they're, they're not going to be a last place team this no. <laughs> this whole season. Yeah, I mean, like the Red Sox offense is very good, obviously, with J.D. and Devers and, and Bogarts and, you know, Verdugo is pretty good, and they, they, they got they've got a piece. They're, they're going to score a lot of runs, like they are. It's just like like you said, their pitching to me is just I, I, they're, they're doing a little bit of smoke and mirrors right now for 15 games in. So I expect them to be, uh, you know, maybe now with this hot start, they can maybe be in the playoff mix a little bit. But you know, 500 team, a little bit below. I, I just don't I just don't see it from them. So Brian, do you have MLB TV? Do you watch out of market games? So I have it, but I usually don't typically. 
like I have a friend who has and I use his account. But yeah. for the most part, if I'm watching, if I'm if I'm not watching Yankees, I'll try to just watch MLB Network and let them do my channel surfing for me. Oh yeah, I trust them just to like kind of bounce around. <laughs> um, so unless there's a specific game that I uh, want to try to watch, I, I let MLB Network uh, do the work for me. So what's been catching your eye over the last week, first two weeks of the season? Yeah, so for me, it's two things. First, Ronald Acuna is probably like the most exciting player. In, oh in yeah, the couple of clips of him where he. Uh, tagged up on a pop up the second base was electric, and then him beating out like that routine ground ball to short was like he's just such a fun player yeah. that uh, I'm glad he's on. Like I know maybe the Dodgers Padres, which is the other thing I'm going to talk about, but I'm glad he's yeah. on Sunday Night Baseball so we can really give Acuna the spotlight because he is hopefully the marketable guy that they can MLB can push that they failed to do in Trout. Um, so I'm hoping that they can try to really push because he is such a fun, fun player that MLB needs to really capitalize on. And then obviously the Dodgers, the Dodgers and Padres. I mean, that's like, you know, a little bias for me. That's but that's Yankee Red Sox mid 2000s. I mean, they <laughs> the fact that they also genuinely hate each other like those Yankee Red Sox teams, it makes it so much better. I mean, they're loaded with talent. Um, it sucks, that, you know, for me on the East Coast, you know. Them playing at yeah. 10 a.m. I I couldn't watch a lot of the, the game on Friday, but when I woke up and saw like you know 12 inning battle game tying and the ninth inning, all that little stuff. I mean, it's it's electric stuff, and um, that that's like to me the the story of baseball, the Dodgers and Padres for sure. All right, so we'll we'll touch on Acuna first. He's been yeah. I was watching that game against the Marlins. The uh, when he tagged up on a pop up to second base, that was just he is must see TV right now. He's great in the field. He's great on the base paths. He's great at the plate. He's bad. He's leading the league in home runs. He's got seven homers. Uh, he's right up there in batting average. He's got like a four four forty batting average. So uh, yeah, he's been so much fun to watch. I'd say right now. I'd say two of the guys that I'm most excited to watch play, I'd say Acuna and Mookie Betts because they do it with the glove out there in right field. Yeah, I mean that play Mookie made uh the other last night was just <sighs> off the charts. I mean he's uh he is just such a special player. Um, you know, he saw it showcase in the World Series obviously last year and then he's doing it again this year. And um, you know, for all the people that have come into the ALEs, thank God he is out of my life uh, for the foreseeable future. If we deal with him in the World Series, I, you know, sign me up. I'll, I'd love to do that. But other than that, it's, it's nice enough to worry about Mookie Betts for the next uh, decade, which it sure seemed like it would be. So, I mean, he's he's just an amazing player. And I'll add the other player that I think is now is must-see TV that I'm yeah, so glad is healthy is uh, – go ahead. Yes, yeah. Juan Soto. Him, but I'll, I'm gonna, it's, it's Shohei Otani. The fact oh, yeah. that he's healthy and doing what he – does um it, it's you know there's it's so fun to see him you know kind of living up to the expectation that people had for him coming in he, his first couple years he's had obviously a lot of injuries and then he he performance wasn't as great as, as uh, i remember hitting wise he really struggled when he first uh broke in and then he obviously had the tommy john surgery but now to see him fully healthy and you know hitting bombs pitching well um is great because he's such a fun and unique player that again baseball really uh needs to push and market i'm glad they had him on sunday night baseball when he was starting uh, a couple weeks ago so he's another one that you really need to push and promote so speaking of otani i was thinking about this the other day everyone's calling him a two-way player is that the right clear or the right distinction of what he is because i'm thinking about this isn't every guy that plays in fields Aren't they two-way players? Like this is this is uh, in baseball, you play two ways. It's not like football where you play one way. So I was thinking, 
Is there a way that we can come up with a better term for what he is? Is do you think that's the best way that we can define him? Yeah, I mean that's a good point because two yeah two way. Um, you think of two way for football as a guy playing offensive defense, and obviously everyone for baseball plays offensive defense to some degree. I mean, if, if you wanted just to come up like he's a unicorn, I don't like the, he's the fact that he's able to like pitch and be that that dominant on the def- defensive side and then also bat and be that dominant on the offensive side. He's like the unicorn uh, perspective, but in terms of a, like a specific term, yeah, because two-way doesn't really signify how much impact he can have on a game. It doesn't really, it's not indicative of, you know, how he compares to other people. Yeah, we maybe we could call him like a dual threat or I think this would be a good one for the listeners. Tweet at us. Tweet mm-hmm. at me at Jack Vita Show. What's your Twitter, Brian? It's uh, Cohen Brian underscore. All right, so tweet at us and tell us what the best way, what we should call Otani. Because I think two-way doesn't really do him a good service. And, you know, thinking about it. So, like, he DHs. I think a mm-hmm. DH is a one-way player. Right. And I'd say that a pitcher is also a one-way player. I right. mean, even the guys that bat in the National League, they're only batting when they because they need to. Mm-hmm. And it happens one out of five days. This guy is a true two-way player at a pitcher. But I was thinking about uh, Michael Lorenzen on the Reds. He's a guy that bats, fields, and pitches. He's a three-way player. There isn't yeah. anyone else like that. No, because, I mean, like we were talking about Mookie Betts. Like, he's a two-way player. I mean, he's a great defensive player, obviously a great offensive player. So he's like a, a two-way player. He doesn't impact the game in one of the ways as much as like an Otani does when he could pitch. So, yeah, so two-way doesn't really emphasize uh, his impact. Yeah, because I mean, you, you hear guys that are – you know, five-star players like they could pit, they could pitch, run, front, hit for power, speed, all that stuff. So there does need to be an additional kind of category. And maybe if more players come up that follow suit with Otani, they'll start to categorize them better. Um, I think there was a who was the guy that was drafted a couple years ago that also might be a pitcher hitter. So I think there there could be some guys that follow yeah. his suit that you know we could start talking about. Yeah, I do. I will say though, I do like to give a little bit of credit to Michael Lorenzen because the guy. I, when I see him make a great catch in center field and then I see him close out a game for the Reds mm-hmm. and hit a home run, I mean, he's a he's obviously he's not to the same degree of Otani in terms of doing it every day and he doesn't he's not as good of a hitter. Uh, he's he's a he's a reliever, he's not a starter. But I mean, Lorenzen is under he's a sneaky fun player to watch. Yeah, and honestly, the relief being a reliever is a lot more easier for a team to kind of manage. Like with Otani, the Angels, you have to really work, plan your kind of lineup and your structure yeah. around him to make him healthy and when he's going to start, when he's going to pitch. But if you're a reliever, it really, you know, it's it's kind of like it's kind of it's when you're like a switch hitter for a hitter. Like you can, you know, you don't have to worry about who's pitching that day for when you can hit and be a reliever. You're, All right, you know what? I'm, I'm in a lot of this day, or you know, I'm now I'm going to go pitch and I could throw an inning or two. So it really that's really the ideal situation. I feel like for a team construction when you have that additional component. Yeah, I agree. All right, so we mentioned the Dodgers and the Padres. We teased it a couple times. So these games, I would say I've been very impressed with the Padres coming into this season. Going in, I was actually a little skeptical just because we've seen those teams assembled. We see the talent, and it's difficult with the bullseye on your back. Last year, it was only 60 games. They got off to a hot start two years ago. They weren't able to do it for a full 162. But the Padres have, aside from this weekend, I would say, the uh, well, they were 9-5 entering the series. Dodgers mm. now standing at 13-2. and It hurts them that they are playing in the same division as the Dodgers. But this yeah. this weekend, it was like it's 
what are we going to see out of these two teams? Can they stack up with the Dodgers? And as we speak right now, the Dodgers are up 2-1 to one in the fourth inning. Dodgers could sweep this series in San Diego, and I would come away from it thinking, hey, you know what? The Padres look like they're in the same weight class as them because they made the Dodgers work for every single of these games. Like, these were these were hard games to win. Yeah. I mean, this if they do pull out today, this would be the closest sweep you can have. And yeah. as much as it also shows that the Padres are in the mix, it also just shows how freaking good the Dodgers are. <laughs> right. like the Dodgers, I mean, they're coming off a World Series. I think, you know, with how much they had trouble breaking through and winning a title, sometimes, like, once you get that first one, they may not just, you know, be the next dynasty and win the next three or four. I mean, they're that dominant. Like, they are so good with their pitching. They're, they're young. Um, they obviously have the resources to go add people. You know, they just spent all the money to add in Bauer. Um, they have, you know, even if a couple of guys go down, they have the system to kind of come up and replace them. They just, you know, the Padres are giving them their absolute A effort, and the Dodgers may still sweep them. Um, obviously, you know, some of these games are kind of coin flips, but still, like, that just shows the, the how how good. Like, to me, now it's like the Dodgers are far and away the best team in baseball. Um, they're, I don't know what the betting odds may say, but they are the, should be the overwhelming favorite. Uh, to win the World Series again. I don't know who would be number two right now. Yeah. For me, it's, it's like the Dodgers, and not the field, because baseball is, is still tough to win, but I, I don't even know who would you would put as the number two right now. Yeah, that's a great question, because the Padres could end up being the second-best team in baseball and being in this division and yeah. having to deal with the Dodgers. I ended up going with the Braves. I love the Braves this year. Uh, well, at least coming into the season, I love the Braves. They've got off mm-hmm. to a slow start. They've had some pitchers now to their uh, to their staff with Freed and Smiley both hitting the DL this weekend. Two spot starts uh, for them with Bryce Wilson pitching tonight. And it was on Friday. I'm blanking. Who was it? Who was it? Uh, Kyle Wright. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw Kyle Wright in that playoff series. I... Still like the Braves quite a bit, but uh, slow start for the Braves this year. Yeah, I, I love the pickup for Charlie Morton. Yeah, uh, I think he's a real. He, he's a, a. I hate the term professional pitcher, but he's like a professional pitcher. He, he knows how uh, he's pitched well in the postseason for the Astros over the years. So you know he'll do well uh, for the Braves. That was a really good pickup for them, and hopefully Free comes back. I don't think his injury didn't seem to be that no. serious, so he should be back pretty soon and doing well. Yeah, the Braves are good. Uh, the Braves are good. That division though was very tough, as I, you know I talked about with the AL East. That one seemed to be kind of weak. You know. Uh, I think top to bottom, that's probably the best division in baseball. I mean, the, the Marlins are thought of as the worst team, but I mean, people forget they were a playoff team last year, and I think they're better this year. You know, they added Marte. Uh, their pitching uh, had a full year under or half year uh, under the belt last year. They're going to get better this year. Um, so I think the Marlins are no you know, pushover. And uh, top to bottom, I mean, I was some Met fans are you know very excited with the squad they had this. So. Uh, slow starts in the in the NLEs are going to be tough to overcome, and not that they're off to that slow of a start, but that's going to be a, a real tough division uh, for the whole year. Oh, yeah. It's going to be really tough. And Braves are also going to get Soroka back pretty soon, too. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at Soroka, Freed, Ian Anderson, who's, once again, he's been really good this season as he was last season when he came up, and Morton, I mean, that's a really good top it four. Is. So I, I still am in on the Braves. I just think it needs to... Give it a little more time. Uh, that's what you know. What's funny is we are talking about the Yankees' slow start, but some of the overreaction I get uh, text messages from my friends who like to 
criticize my picks and it was really funny one of them was uh like last weekend it was like oh yeah you were so wrong on the a's the a's stink this year they're really bad uh and i knew i knew they were gonna be bad this year and i was like uh let's just wait and the a's have won Mm -hmm. nine straight since since that text message was sent over to me (laughs) yeah no april i mean that's also why i have to remind myself april does cause extreme reactions both ways i mean i (laughs) You know, I get with with Met fans in my life every year when they, you know, they're 12 and 2 on April 15th and the Met fans are planning their parade. I always have to tell them, you know, it's April, it's April. So I'm trying to tell myself the same way. But I think for Yankee fans, uh, not to bring it back to the Yankees again, but for me, like, it's just like there's been frustration for kind of the last four years, yeah. all kind of culminating in this team. And they were just so close, like, for the last few years. And it just doesn't seem like they're building a team that. It, you know, you see uh, like the Dodgers and the Braves, you know, they, they have this pitching and it just seems like the Yankees have that Achilles heel every year where they don't have enough pitching. They don't have enough of the guys that do the timely hitting. Um, which, and then, you know, this is probably the worst, probably might could be the worst, you know, 15 game stretch they have all year. So it just, uh, you know, even worse to, for the first 15 games. But it just feels more than that. It feels more like a cultural situation with, with the Yankees that, look, maybe, you know, they're talented enough that they can overcome. And maybe they, you know, when Luke Voigt comes back and things like that, things change. But, you know, April does cause some uh, some extreme reactions <laughs> in baseball. I have to kind of remind myself of that. Well, I'll tell you uh, what you're describing with the Yankees sounds eerily similar to what's going on here in Chicago with the Cubs fans. The Cubs fans yeah. are very upset and with good reason because it's a team that was assembled i was talking about this the other day when i was on stuffing the stat sheet podcast you guys should go check that out for probably a deeper conversation on this topic but the cubs i mean they assembled this core and it looked like they were going to be world Mm -hmm. beaters for a while and they've just been actively regressing and now you're looking at a team that's in the bottom of pretty much every single offensive category. They're in the bottom five. They can't hit. Uh, they're not a very good defensive team. And it's just been it's been boiling over to this. And actually, my read on the Cubs is obviously very different from what I think the Yankees is going on. The Yankees, I think, are a legitimate contender. And I think they're going to turn around and at least be a competitive team this year. The Cubs, I think, are going in the opposite direction. I think mm-hmm. that the Cubs have been setting themselves up for a little bit of a rebuild. And yeah. I think it's uh I think it was going into the season, they're in rebuild mode, but it was disguised as a contender. And now that people are seeing, yeah, this team's not great, uh, we're probably gonna see them selling off some parts uh, in a couple months. Yeah, I mean, it's, they've kind of hinted that. You know, they they had to deal with Darvish, which yeah. was, I don't think they really got much back for him. So that was kind of more of a salary clearing situation. You saw the reports of what they were offering Rizzo uh, for a deal, and, and like that seemed to be pretty insulting to him. There were reports about them shopping Bryant in the offseason. Um, Javi Baez is a free agent coming up soon. So, yeah, so the Cubs, you know, thank God they had that, you know, they, they were able to pull out the 2016 title because otherwise I think this would be a lot more dire. I think, I think Cubs fans at least can, like, you know, rest easy I would, yeah. I would think a little bit more the fact that they got that title and can you know at least they got one with this core but yeah when they won the title at 16 kind of like we, what i was saying with the dodgers here you think all right well this is now the team that's going to run uh the nl for the next few years and i don't know what happened with them uh, but yeah they, they have a lot of a lot of difficult decisions to make and either they're gonna have to throw a lot of money at these guys or like you said just blow it all up and rebuild so i, I it seems like from all the reports that the cubs don't really want to be throwing the money around so it might have to go with the latter. 
Well, I would actually, with the Cubs, they have been spending a lot over the last mm-hmm. four years. They had a top three highest payroll in the National League. And even with that, they couldn't, they haven't won a playoff game since 2017. So they've had, they kept running it back. I just think it's not, I don't think it's a money thing. I think it's just a natural ending point with where you're seeing with these guys. A lot of them have regressed. I mean, Rizzo isn't hitting at all. This is pretty par for the course for him, though. He's a streaky hitter and he starts slow. Now, Javi Baez, over the last 170, 180 games, ever since. The pitchers had the book on, you throw him these uh, breaking balls off the plate and he swings at all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is not what people were thinking that he would continue to be. Uh, we'll see if he is able to refine that. I don't think he will because I don't think he's a plate discipline. I just think the Cubs are kind of, I don't think it's a money thing. I just think it's a natural time to start that rebuild. And I think that, like you said, since they did win in 16, you can't be upset with them. And I actually, actually, I think that for them to rebuild is going to be a good thing for them because if you just keep running it back with a team that can't get it done, I mean, that's not that's not very fun. That's <laughs> no, more it's frustrating not. than anything. Yeah, and you don't really want to get stuck with, uh, you know, if you give Rizzo a big deal and now you're stuck with him for a while, if he starts to really decline over the years, at least it does give you the chance to hit the refresh and bring in some fresh blood. You're not now stuck with these big money contracts that we've seen cripple other teams over the years. So um, I guess if you're going to, what the Cubs have to be careful of is kind of what you said here, not like kind of, you know, going in the middle, either do their full rebuild or really try to build another contending team for either try to do something for this year or next year. You got to pick a, you got to pick a direction and kind of go all in with it. Yeah, I don't think they can for next year because they got Baez, Bryant, Rizzo all hidden free agency this year. They're not going to, yeah. Uh, just, yeah, it's not, it's not happening with the Cubs. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an interesting, uh, interesting spot there. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the Mets. So the Mets have been interesting so far. It's like <laughs> last mm-hmm. week they had that whole situation with Stroman, uh, pitch. He threw nine pitches. The game gets rained out. He, he's unhappy on Twitter. And I think it was rightfully so unhappy with his team. Uh, There was a great headline on CBS Sports, new owner, same dysfunction, New York Mets. Yeah, and, you know, I think the Mets still have that kind of stigma that they have with the Wilpons, but, you know, they do have, I mean, they have a pretty good team. Like, DeGrom is clearly the best pitcher in baseball. He shows it again yesterday, almost breaking Seaver's record for strikeouts in a row. And the fact that, you know, he gave up some runs and it seemed like, oh, my God, here we go again. The Mets are going to, DeGrom's going to dominate and they're going to lose this game. And, you know, they had a great comeback win they they you know won the first game of the double header they lost that night but um they had the great win yesterday i think they were winning today i don't know if they, they officially won but um the mets are in a they're an interesting spot i mean like they they got the ground they brought in lindor spent a lot of money on him they do have some capable offensive bats i mean they're not going to light the world up but they got some good bats and you know we'll see with uh Syndergaard what if and when he comes back this year if he provides a good boost but they're they're going to be in the mix and i think you know with the new owner they're not going to have uh you know they're going to be able to add guys at the trade line if they want to. They they're going to be able to bring in, uh, even if it's like a big money guy that team, as a as a kind of cash dump. I think they'll be able to do that, which is kind of a, a breath of fresh air for them. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So that division, as you mentioned, the NL East. I mean, do you have a favorite at this time? I mean, has I don't know what you were thinking coming into the season. Have you with the Braves struggling? I guess I don't know how high you were on the Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, are where are you at with the NL East? What do you think? 
Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I still think the Braves are probably the most talented team out there. I think, you know, they got to survive some of these injuries. Uh, but I think their bullpen is still really good. I love, I, I, you know, I, li- I like their offense a lot with Acuna. And I'll be, I think they have a lot of good bats there. They're pitching. Uh, the starting pitching is probably the best uh, top to bottom in the division, which will give them a, a, a good start. So uh, they just got to survive some of the injuries. But it's going to be tough because the top to bottom, the division is pretty well balanced. I think the Nationals are probably the most vulnerable of all the teams, honestly, I think, you know, if something were to go down with Scherzer or uh, Strasburg, I think that whole kind of team can kind of fall apart. I think they kind of hanging on there. But um, I, and I think that, you know, I do think the Marlins are pretty good. I, I like their bats. I think they're frisky. You know, I think they've got some up and coming young pitching. And again, like they were a playoff team. They won that opening round last year. They won the, the, the two out of three. They won uh, that first round. So uh, I don't know. I think the Marlins are right there. I think the Phillies are going to be in the mix. Um I like Aaron Nola a lot. I, I think, you know, with Girardi, as we talked about, I think he's going to – he'll keep their head on the right shoulders. If, you know, their bullpen was so historically bad last year that that's obviously going to be better this year. I think it's already shown signs of that. So the, I think it's, you know, this is going to be a division where I don't think anyone's going to be more than 10 games back. I think all five teams are going to be in the mix. and But it's also it, – because of that, you know, maybe 90 wins takes it because they're going to beat each other up so much that no one's going to be able to win 100 games. All right, that's a that's a very good assessment. You mentioned the Marlins. Uh, they had an exciting win last night. Jazz Chisholm is a very exciting mm-hmm. player. Uh, if you want to talk about guys who are characters, how about Jazz Chisholm with the blue hair that he's sporting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fun look. And I and I, I always have an affinity now for the Marlins with Jeter as a part of their own group. <laughs> so if my kids are to go down, at least I'll. Uh, I'll let Jeter kind of take over the ring. <laughs> All right, I got an exercise here for you, Brian, and then we'll get to a little more of some of these headlines and scores. Um, but here's what I want you to do, Brian. I want you to pull mm-hmm. up the Major League Baseball standings. I don't know yep. if you have them in front of you, so let me know when you do. All right. All right, I got them. All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to power rank the division that you expect to look most different from mm. now, uh, the way it looks now at the end of the season. So let's power rank these divisions. So the power ranking, how different the standings are going to look, not the teams within them, just how different the standings are going to look. That's interesting. Yeah, exactly. How different, like if you were to draft, I said, okay, which of these divisions do you expect to look the most different uh, at the end of the season than it does now? All right, so... If I could work backwards, I would say I would put the the NL West back as the one that's probably going to look as close as it's going to be. I think the Padres will overtake the Giants, but you know, Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Diamondbacks, Rockies—that's probably right. So I think that one's pretty, yeah. pretty good. So yeah, I think the I'm not buying the Giants no. either. I was watching some of Gabe Kapler's decision making. It's the same stuff that he did in Philly. Like he's got Tommy Lostella on his bench, who might be the team's best hitter. They went out and spent money on. I, I, I don't yeah. get it. No, I, I'm with you. I don't buy them. And, and I think this is going to be one where you're going to, as opposed to some other divisions that I talked about, that I don't think you're going to, you might not see anyone win more than 90, 92 games. I think here you're going to have the Dodgers and Padres maybe both winning close to 100 games and everyone else maybe being <laughs> yeah. below 500. So I think it's going to be a huge disparity yeah. within it. So I'll put the, the NL West last and just kind of scrolling okay. through. I think I would put the NL Central right above that. I think with the Pirates and Cubs at the bottom of the division and then Reds, Brewers, Cardinals kind of all jumbled at the top. I think that's about right. Um, you know, be Yeah, I, I think so too. Do you have a favorite of those three teams? Yeah, I like I like the Reds a lot. I think uh Luis Castillo, I, I think their pitching's really good. I you know, I mean their offense um 
has been, you know, otherworldly. At least that first week of the year, they were scoring like 12 <laughs> runs a yeah. games. It, it was obviously they, they weren't going to keep that pace up, but they have a lot of good bats. Castellanos is, I saw a couple of articles about Castellanos that he like led the, I think he led baseball each of the last three years in barreled balls, which is just like an incredible stat to, to see. And I think he's really starting to put it together this year. So I think the Reds, I think the Reds, Brewers, and Cardinals are going to have a really good battle. Um, across the division but I, th- I think i like the reds the most uh, amongst them amongst that three so i think i would put that as uh the fifth of the six of the least uh jumbled yeah so i'm on the same page with you for that i i also would say five six on those i do expect the cardinals i mean look they're only a game yeah. and a half out but i think that like 88 wins could win this division mm-hmm. and i could see all three of these teams uh within striking distance of that so then looking so it's funny the america like let's see who uh, who would be now let me see if I can try to now work from the top back down. I'm gonna sandwich it. So I'm gonna start with the bottom <laughs> piece of bread. I'm gonna try to work now with the top piece of bread to meet in the middle. So as you think, yeah. we have the Boston Red Sox in first place of the American League East mm-hmm. and ten and six. The Yankees in last place, five and ten. We have the AL Central, the Kansas City Royals mm-hmm. at nine and five, leading that division. Uh, White Sox and Twins in the middle. And then we also have in the AL West, uh, we have the Angels and the Mariners at the top of that division, Oakland and Houston in the middle, and Texas at the bottom. Yeah, so I guess I, I think probably the three AL would be my top three. I think I would put the NL East as like the fourth team, as the fourth least jumbled division, because I, I, I am worried yeah. about the Nationals, so I think them being last could be pretty realistic. And not that I think the Braves are going to be fourth, but I could see... You know, Mets feel like the Mets Phillies break. Like I think that's really going to be a jumbled top four. So I, I think that can go almost any way those four. So I think I'd probably put them as fourth least jumbled, and then the the American League division. Like this is kind of chaos that we have right here. I mean, if you told me at any <laughs> point in the season that the Red Sox, the Royals, and Angels would be leaving each of those divisions, I, I, or, or what are we one game in? Um, so yeah, so <laughs> I think all three of those are probably equally jumbled. I think amongst like the Red Sox, Royals, and Angels, I believe in the Angels the most. Um, interesting i think you know with trout at least they have some top heavy pieces to you know put together not that, not that i think they're going to win the division but if i had to you know place a bet on either of those three teams winning their division i think the angels would be the most likely to do it um so i think i'm I've, glad you i'm glad you said that because i was going to ask you that question is which of these teams do you buy the most stock into and i actually would go with the royals because mm. With the uh, with the Angels, my concern with them, and neither of those teams, I mean, none of these three teams at the top have a whole lot of pitching for right. that matter. But I will say the thing with the Angels is with Otani, Rendon, and uh, and uh, Trout, those three guys, that's as good of a core yeah. uh, two, three, four as you can have in baseball. But all three of those guys are injury prone. And if you lose one of them, there I just don't see a whole lot on that team past those three guys. No, and that's true. And that's, you know, they, I would say they're definitely the most top-heavy. And if they could really maximize those guys and get a couple of more contributors out there, they can maybe put in the mix. But for me, I think the Central um, with the Indians, White Sox, and Twins, I think those are three, I think those are going to be three clearly the best teams. That like the Royals, I'm not uh, buying them that much. I think the Tigers are frisky, but I, again, I think they're going to be a couple years away before we really yeah. see anything from them. But I think with the Indians, White Sox, and Twins, I think those are three pretty equally flawed match teams. I think we thought the White Sox would probably be the favorites coming into the year with the division, but now they're starting to battle some injuries. So I don't know if they're fully ready to put it together. Um, so I think uh, for me, that's why I, I, would, I would say the Angels are the most believable. But again, I, I wouldn't be putting, you know, 
getting real <laughs> right. money behind any uh, either, either of those teams. <laughs> yeah, I'm still big on the White Sox. I think they win the division this year. Yeah. Uh, this brings us to probably the biggest story of the week, at least the best feel-good story of the week. Carlos Rodon mm. throwing a no-hitter 8 nothing against the Cleveland Indians on Wednesday night. This was one of the more surprising no-hitters in recent memory for me. Yeah, you know, it's funny. If you go down the list of no-hitters, there's a lot of surprising names on the <laughs> list. Like, you know, you it takes a it doesn't necessarily take a lot of skill set to throw. In. Obviously, you have to be a decently good pitcher, but you can get lucky one day, and all of a sudden, you know, you're throwing a no-hitter. So there's a lot of names out there. You're like, wait, that guy really threw a no-hitter? A, a no-hitter? Alec I mean, Mills last year. Yeah, I mean, Homer <laughs> Bailey threw two no-hitters. Um, oh, so th- there's some guys up there that are like, wait, well, what just happened? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's fun to see. I mean, I was, you know very close to being a perfect game, which obviously would have put it in much different yeah. uh, strats here. But again, you see guys like Phil Humber throwing a perfect game, and it's like, I guess anyone, if you have a certain uh, skill set and luck, can do it too. But yeah, I mean, no-hitters are fun. Um, love to see you, you don't see pitchers going nine innings anymore, so that's uh, you, you don't see guys doing that. So anytime you can see something special like that happen, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we have a league like all-time low right now in terms of batting average, and we already have two no-hitters, so... Uh, <laughs> I would not be surprised if we mm-hmm. see some more this year. Yeah, we just no. need guys to pitch deep into games. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, a few kind of combined no-hitters. Guys going like six, seven innings of, of no-hit ball, and then a couple of the relievers kind of finishing it off. I think we've seen a couple of those uh, in recent years, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a few of those this year. Didn't one happen in a Yankees game like around 15 years ago? Yeah, it was it was uh, the Astros did it. Um, yeah. I don't remember who started, but I think he got hurt a, full, a couple uh, innings into it, and that was when they had... Wagner, uh, Dotel, and they had another really big flame. I can't remember who it was, but they had they had like a trio of relievers that are like kind of spread out and well known as being like top top guys, and they were they were part. I think it was two thousand two thousand two or two thousand three. I think it was uh, yeah oh three. I yeah, want to say yeah, but yeah that yeah. that happened, and yeah, there's been a couple of those uh, that have happened pretty recently. Billy Wagner should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I think over time people are going to come to appreciate relievers' dominance more and more. Um, so see as much of a factor as they are now. Uh, I, yeah, I totally agree. All right, so here's our scores for the weekend as of right now, 5 p.m. Central Time. Uh, so the Phillies went on the road, took or sorry, they were at home. They took two of three from the Cardinals, Reds two of three from the Indians, Marlins two of three from the Giants. The Rays sweep the Yankees. We are right now in the. Uh, we actually have a four uh, four game series between the Red Sox and the White Sox. Patriots Day game tomorrow should be a lot of fun. Uh, Red Sox uniforms. What do you think about those, Brian? Yeah, those are weird ones. Um, for some teams, <laughs> just you know, there's no reason to stray from your classic uniform. Some teams, sure, you can mix it up a little bit. Teams like the Red Sox, just you know, stick to the classics. <laughs> I like the thought behind it. Uh, it feels more like something that you make some type of a poster, or a web graphic design, or some type of bobblehead that you give out at the park. They're honoring the heroes of the Boston Marathon bombing from uh, man, that was almost ten years ago. Uh, but and I don't, I don't actually know where those colors come from though. Like, how is that connected to the marathon? I missed that. No idea. I, 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 whatever the connection is, it flew over my head. I don't know what it is. It's like, okay, we want to honor these guys, so we're going to combine two random colors together and put it on the Red Sox jerseys. Yeah. I think I there's know. probably a – maybe we could put a patch on there. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that typically what we do? We put a patch either on the hat or the jersey. I think that's – you know, I think 
baseball has a pretty uh, lockdown how we honor events and people and stuff yeah. like that. You put the patch on it. I don't know what we're uh, reinventing <laughs> here. So White Sox and Red Sox are split right now. They're playing the second of a of a double header. We'll see how that shakes out. Two more games left in that series. Uh, you mentioned Washington struggling. Arizona, another team that hasn't looked too great. They split a four-game series, two games to two. Uh, the Dodgers took the first two games of this series against the Padres. We'll see what happens. They lead right now. I think it's around the fifth or the sixth inning. Uh, we've got the Royals. Uh, I believe they just came out on top on over the Blue Jays uh, to take three out of four from them. Pirates end up taking two of three from the Brewers. Uh, they win in extras today. Uh, Baltimore was unable to complete the sweep against the Texas Rangers, so you can sleep at night knowing that the Orioles aren't going to run away with this division, Brian. See you. <laughs> uh, Mets and Rockies, uh, they're playing right now, I believe. I think the, Rock- I think the Mets just won. Oh, the phone goes up, blowing up with. Uh, they threw out a guy at second end of the game, so the Mets uh, pulled that one out. Yeah, they did. Okay, so the Mets uh, two of three from the Rockies. We've got uh, the A's right now against the Tigers. They're trying to complete, get to ten, extend their win streak to ten if they win this one. They're uh, down two one in the seventh inning. What a Sunday slate! Yeah, does anything anything from that surprise you, Brian? Uh, let's see. I mean, good for good winning for the Mets. Uh, nice two out of three. They, uh, they've had a really weird schedule quirks this season with a lot of rain outs, yeah. so many doubleheaders. I'm actually a fan of the seven inning doubleheaders. I feel like that's kind of a minority take. I, I, I like them. Um, I think I it's 50-50, think, actually. I think it's yeah. half and half. I almost think they should kind of build them into the schedule on, like, a regular basis. I think back Ooh. in the day, they used to have, like, Sunday doubleheaders or holiday doubleheaders. I think if they scheduled, you know, July 4th, Memorial Day, Labor Day, uh, like holiday doubleheaders across the board. I, I like, I think seven inning doubleheaders are a lot of fun. And honestly, I mean, I think there's been conversations of like seven inning games, uh, maybe down the road. Like that's the one like outlandish thing. I don't necessarily even hate. I know as a baseball purist, Ooh. that sounds like blasphemy, but uh, these games, I know it's, you know, I love baseball. Some of these games are, do take freaking forever. You know, you watch the <laughs> Yankee Red Sox game that's four and a half hours. It feels it's like the sixth inning. So like seven inning games, I or even eight inning games. I don't know. I I don't. I think there's a lot worse things that baseball has done uh, to the game. I think you know the extra inning rule is atrocious. I think some of these other things that they, they've tried to put into play are bad. Seven or eight inning games, I almost I I don't hate them. I it adds like a extra level of excitement like you know you get into like the third or fourth inning of a seven inning game and it's like all right well you know it feels like a lot more intense when you're when you're watching it so um i don't necessarily hate that one okay so i i like the first part of what you said i don't want to ever go from a nine inning game i think we keep it at nine innings for baseball uh nine play in the game Mm -hmm. play nine innings is perfect Mm -hmm. i love it uh but i do like your idea i'd never thought of having holiday double headers i think that's a really great idea and i think that yeah it like you get it's uh you know ernie banks let's play two yeah that's exciting that's fun and the games do move quickly and mm-hmm. there's a little more of like uh there's more urgency to win those games you see a pinch hitting you know taking a pitcher out to get that pinch hitter and trying to win in the fifth inning and that's i think a lot of fun yeah, and I think you know, a lot of people, a lot of uh, people, in baseball are concerned about the obviously the amount of uh, games, the amount of days, and I think if you do, 
you know, three or four of these double headers through the season, it allows you to bake in three or four extra off days through the season. Also, you know, let pitchers get an extra day off and, th- and things like that. Uh, I think it provides good incentive for kids. You know, you could sell it as just one ticket for, for kids, either get a half price deal for kids or something like that. If it's a Sunday yeah. or a weekend, let them come in. Um, I think those are the type of things that baseball should be doing to try to promote the game, not limiting relievers to face three batters or something <laughs> like that. That's not doing anything. I think things like that, uh, I think that that would work out. Well, you steered us into an interesting territory because this past week we had uh, two new rules going into the Atlantic League, at least adjustments. They're going to move the rubber back. I think it's a foot. Yeah. And they're also going to have when a pitcher comes out of the game, they lose the designated hitter spot. So uh, sound off on your thoughts on those two changes in the Atlantic League. Yeah. So the first, the moving the, the mound back, like that to me. I mean, I understand wanting to. I think a lot of the conversation is about this. Pitchers are just so, so good now that they have to try to think of doing something. But that just, why wouldn't they lower the mound? Like that, they've done that in the past. Mm. Um, pitchers are just trained to throw that distance. I feel like that would lead to so many more injuries if you're throwing yeah. an extra foot rather than, I don't know, lowering the mound. I don't know how, how high is it now, but like by six inches or three inches, whatever it might be, just lowering the mound more. I feel like. That would seemingly help the cause better and would probably lead to less injuries. Obviously, I'm not like a doctor. I don't. I haven't done the full analysis <laughs> of it, but just like common sense wise, like they lowered the amount in the past. They've never moved the distance back. I think pitchers aren't like you'd be more strained throwing an extra foot. So that seems like an odd decision. And for the DH thing, either. I mean, I don't hate that. I think you know that would limit like the, the idea of openers and, and things like that. Um, the you know incentivize starting pitching to go deeper in the game. You know, you keep your DH. So I'd be okay with that. Um, but I also just you know, or just let everyone have a DH. <laughs> I think that's probably the better <laughs> thing. Just get rid of us uh, pitcher setting. I think uh, I I obviously as an American League guy, that's yeah. That's I all I've I seen. don't. We won't do the designated hitter yeah. argument because I just did it on Joey's podcast the other day. So if anyone wants to hear that. Um, I'm a strict NL guy. Um, I And actually, Brian, I think where we could find some agreement, I like the way it is now where you can pick and choose. Do you like, if you want to watch the designated hitter, you can watch the American League games. If you want to watch the NL strategy, you can watch the National League games. Yeah. For me, the only reason why I, I'm anti-DH is, um, as Amer- like, I feel like the idea of the strategy is very overestimated in the National League ball. Like, and sometimes it's almost harder to decide with pitching in the American League because with the, with the, when the NL, if you're down by a run in the bottom of the seventh inning and the pitcher spot's coming up, you have no choice. You have to pitch it. You have to get the start a pitcher out of there. In the American League, you have to kind of decide, all right, there's no other extra thing playing in my decision-making. Is my pitcher still good? What about the matchup with the bullpen? So, like, I understand. Like, and, and double switching is like, I mean, it's not rocket science when, to do a double <laughs> switch. So I think some of that is a little overblown. Um, it is interesting i mean it's crazy it, it, it is kind of crazy when you think about how baseball has two different rules in their two different leagues like it would be crazy. like think about it like in, in nba if like the three-point line was like five feet further back in the western conference and like that was just how they played basketball um but it, it's it's sometimes crazy when you think about it but other than i mean i think going back to the original question i think the idea of you know taking the dh out when the starter leaves the game i think it's it's a fun quirk again but like that to me that's not like a, a huge rule change that I, I think baseball needs to be needs to be focused on here. So I hear your points. I just think the other thing on the DH, uh, and again, not to go into a whole DH right. uh, debate because we're you know we're pressed for time here. Yeah. Uh, but 
I would say that I love the memorable moments from when Bartolo Colon hits a home run, sure. Archie Bradley hits a triple mm-hmm. in the wild card game, or even when a guy like Trevor Williams gets his first career. Uh, was it? No, who was it? There's someone recently over the last few days I saw get their first career hit, and it's just like that's fun. Yeah. I like that. No, there are fun moments. I remember back in the day, uh, there was this pitcher on the Mets, uh, a Japanese pitcher. I don't remember who it was, but he was a lefty. He hit like a triple off Randy Johnson uh, over his head. Like that was an iconic moment. I mean, yeah, there's there's fun moments uh, with pitchers hitting. Obviously, I just think they're very few and far between. Right. I mean, for the most part, it's you know you know fastball, curveball, curveball. And, you know, they strike out and, and you move on. So. But obviously, you know, we could have a debate like this for two hours and neither of us would ever change <laughs> <Yeah>. our minds. <laughs> All right. Good stuff, Brian. Yeah. So in terms of baseball, did we did we touch on everything? Did this uh, fulfill what you were looking for going on a baseball podcast? I think so. You know, it's, it's fun not to discuss, uh, you know, drunken shenanigans in the, in the challenge house <laughs> and, and stuff like that. It's fun to talk baseball. Yeah, this is good. I think, you know, like I said at the, at the top, it's great to have uh, baseball back. It's so fun to have fans uh back in the stands and being a part of the action, which is, which is great. Um, and uh, I just think, you know, baseball has a lot of tough decisions to make. I think this offseason is going to be a very challenging one with the, the, Ooh, CISO, yeah. with the, the negotiations upcoming. So I think baseball is in, in, in an interesting spot. Um, I think, you know, they have so, so, so much young talent in the game. I really hope they really push that and promote that. I, I think there's a lot of talent that they can really showcase and stuff. So I think baseball is in a fun and interesting spot, but also a dangerous spot. Um, so I think there's a lot of, tough decisions uh to be made going forward yeah i'm just gonna enjoy it for now i mean i'm having so much fun having a full 162 i've been way more into it this year than i was a year ago and uh yeah just enjoying enjoying the show for now i guess is what i'm what i'm talking about yeah exactly enjoy a nice braves cup game tonight uh, and (laughs) uh start the new week tomorrow so brian uh i would love to know do you have a bold take or bold prediction on the that you've been thinking about lately? The only so the only bold thing that kind of pops in my head that I kind of talked about with the Dodgers is I can see the Dodgers winning something almost like 120 games this year. Oh, I think wow. they are just so so good top to bottom that they could really give you know uh, I think one, was it was 116 the, the MLB record for for wins of the season. So I think you know there's a chance if they avoid any multiple injuries i mean they've already kind of had some injuries mookie Betts has missed some games and stuff like that but you know i think with their level of talent and some of the uh lower echelon teams in the in the national league and across baseball i think they could really uh put together just like an all-time season especially again with like i, th- I don't think enough has been made about getting the monkey off your back winning that title and not having to deal with that pressure of all right well what are they just have another good regular season and fail in the playoffs again um so i think they could put together uh really one of the best seasons that we, that we've had. They've they have that type of talent. Yeah, and last year they were on track to win 116 if they yeah. played a full 162. They mm-hmm. add Trevor Bauer to that. By the way, you know <laughs> I just noticed this the other day. Do you know the whole thing with Trevor Bauer and his agent, the relationship with him and his agent? I don't think so. Tell me. So he has this uh, agent. She's like really young. Like she's only like 28 years old and her name's Rachel Luba and there are all these pictures of the two of them, uh, like romantically together. So they're basically dating each other, um, but they haven't gone like they've never sh- said that they're dating each other. So the fact that Trevor Bauer and his agent are dating that, that just feels like a very odd business relationship. Yeah, it sounds like a CW show. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> 
It's just, it's something you never think about. Like, oh my gosh, like, can you imagine if things go south in that relationship? Like, how do you, <laughs> you have your agent. Yeah. And he's like, he always wants to sign these like short-term deals. Yeah. Like he's not even trying to lock in uh, long-term money for his girlfriend agent. That's weird. It's a weird move. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I was thinking like, if you have this, if you're dating your agent, I would go for the long-term contract now for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> lock something in long-term. I don't know. He's a, he's a, he's an odd duck though, as you've seen uh, on multiple, multiple occasions. Uh, he is, he is so interesting. Okay. So my bold take I think Tommy LaStella can win a batting title if he plays every day. I don't think that's, yeah, I think that's, I mean, he's a, he's a hell of a player. I don't think that's uh, too out of the question. Yeah. Especially with batting titles these days. You don't, you don't need to really hit 370 to win a batting title these days. Yeah. So uh, I think you can do it. I, I was thinking last week, I said it on said it on Joey's podcast. I think Tommy LaStella can win the batting title. And I was watching the Giants this weekend, and I saw twice he gets pinch hit for. And I was like, okay, maybe this won't happen because we got Kapler mm-hmm. managing this team. <laughs> <laughs> all right brian so you host the uh challenge our hap up uh podcast yep. i would love to chat challenge here for a few minutes we got the finale sure. uh just to give people a little taste of what you and Allie do so uh general thoughts on this season of the challenge double agents yeah, we got the got the finale this week. It's been a pretty good season, I thought. It's a little bit long. The challenge has really been pushing the limits with these long seasons. I think this is gonna be episode nineteen uh, for the finale. I feel like uh, the sweet spot for these shows is usually like 14, 15 episodes. So I think they probably stretched them out a little bit too long. Uh, but I think it's been fun. It's a lot of it's, a, it's been a good cast, a lot of interesting dynamics. Um, good theme this year with the partners. Uh, you could kind of switch who your partner is depending upon if you win eliminations and things like that. Um, we got a good storyline going into the final with a uh, fan favorite Leroy uh, trying to get his first title uh, in his last season. Um, so, yeah, it's been a very, very fun season. And, and we got the Challenge All-Stars on Paramount Plus, which Ooh, is yeah. a lot of the older school people doing a, a season. So it's big time in the in the challenge world right now. So I haven't caught your last episode uh, because I just watched uh, this week's uh, Yesterday Morning. Are mm-hmm. you guys planning on going into all-stars when this season ends are you gonna do all-stars each week yeah so we've been uh tacking on all-stars at the end of our regular content yep. so this week we actually recorded it right after the double agents episode and par- the all-stars one drops on thursday so yep. we didn't have uh this past one on there so i guess this week we'll probably double up after the final and then after this week we'll just uh be exclusive uh, for all-stars yeah, so we usually just we just combine the the two of them yeah, I knew you were doing it. I just didn't know if you're going to keep doing it when yeah, yeah, uh, we'll this keep one. Yeah, we'll, uh, as long as there's challenge content here, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll be here covering it. So I haven't loved this season of the challenge, but I will say, if Leroy and Nani win, I will. It will change the way I view this season significantly. I will. I am rooting for them the way I rooted for the Cubs in 2016. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the perfect comparison for anyone who's not really a challenge fan. Like, like Leroy is like you know he's the Cubs. Like he's been on this show for i think it was 11 or 12 seasons yeah. now he's come close many times he's had a lot of weird stuff go against him he's had like some injuries or his partner's gotten hurt and he has had to leave and things like that and now he's partnered up with uh with nani who was on his original real world season that uh before he went on the challenge so there's a lot of a lot of uh emotion happiness there to see them kind of come together and if they can pull it off together i mean like you said this is this is like the cubs you know 108 years uh squished together in challenge world obviously a different time but it would be very very fun to see if uh, they could pull it out 
Yeah, Leroy is just like, like he's the guy you want to be your best friend. Like you just want to hang out with Leroy. He's got such a positive outlook on life. He's hilarious. He's a great guy. You mentioned some of the bad luck he ran into. On one of his seasons, he was paired with his ex. I guess I I don't know if they were technically exes, but it was someone Mm -hmm. that he had a history with. It was Battle of the Exes 2. And right before the final leg of the competition, his uh, his partner got kicked off the show uh, yeah. for some inappropriate conduct. So that's the kind of luck that Leroy's been uh, running into over the years. Yeah, even his first season, his partner, like the first episode, got kicked out for fighting. That time he had a partner come in and replace him. Uh, but yeah, he's had a lot of weird stuff happen to him in uh, his challenge career. So uh, I think pretty much everyone uh, is pulling for Leroy to see if he could pull this one out. So, obviously, we saw the first part of this final, and we expect this probably to be the final uh, episode before the reunion. Yeah. Prediction for who ends up coming out on top on this season. Yeah, I mean, before the final, I thought... I thought Leroy had a decent shot, and I thought Cam and Corey had a pretty decent shot. But based off how CT and Amber B kind of dominated the, the first the first couple of heats, the first couple of uh, checkpoints, and and the run, like they're waiting every section. Like unless the MTV tries to keep things close, I don't know how CT and Amber don't pull it out. I think they have just such a huge lead at this point. So I, I think they're the overwhelming favorite right now to pull it out. Um, and obviously with uh, Casey's injury, that probably I can't imagine how she's going to continue uh, running the finals. So I would imagine her and Fessy are probably going to have to be eliminated pretty early on uh, in, in the final episode. So for me, I think it's uh, CT and Amber. They're clearly the ones to beat. And I would probably if I had to put money on that's where that's where it would go. Yeah. So it's actually funny. They were actually my pick going into the final uh, mm. because based on editing, I just figured they're building Fessy up for some type of embarrassment. And right. uh, we saw it in the last, at the closing of the last episode. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. just no way with the edit that Fessy was getting that he was going to win this season. And then uh, Bill Simmons uh, accurately pointed out on his podcast, uh, which isn't as good as Brian's, of course. You should definitely check not. out Brian's podcast. But he, he said exactly what I was thinking. They had that hot tub scene. Uh, a couple weeks ago with Cam and Leroy, they said, we, we did everything we could. Everything is so good, and uh, we we played the best game we can. And whenever you see that in reality TV, it feels like they're setting those people. It's like a horror film. It's like, yeah. do not go into the barn. Like, you're going to get murdered. Yeah. yeah, you're seeing them talking about, I can't believe we escaped the murderer. How great is this? Let's enjoy life now <laughs> as you see the, the murderer gearing up the chainsaw in the background ready to go and the, the chainsaw being uh, CT and Amber, unfortunately. So <laughs> seems like uh, they're, they, they're probably going to pull it out. But you never know. I mean, the challenge in the finals, they try to try to keep them as close as possible for entertainment purposes. So, so who knows? I'm not, I'm not counting uh, Leroy and Cam out yet. All right. Good stuff. So uh, before we go, any closing thoughts on the challenge? No, I mean, you can, uh, if you want to hear me and uh, Allie uh, talk about the challenge each week, you can uh, subscribe to it. It's at uh, robhasawebsite.com slash challenge iTunes. You can uh, subscribe there. Uh, we've been talking challenge since 2014 now, wow. since all the way back in uh, Challenge Free Agents. So we've been uh, we've been here for a while. We'll, uh, we plan to be uh, keep keep it going as we got All-Stars going on, too. So absolutely go check that out over there. All this talk about OGs on uh, the Challenge All-Stars. You guys are the OGs of the Challenge podcast landscape, I think. I think so. I think so. Yeah, we've been we've been around the block. We've been uh, I think this is now probably like eighth or ninth season, something like that. So yeah, we've been uh, 
we've been here a while through uh, the ups and downs of the challenge of the past uh, seven years. So, yeah, absolutely. Come, uh, come listen to us. Okay. And then lastly, I want to know, we didn't discuss All-Stars. Early thoughts on All-Stars. You like it? Yeah, I wasn't as high. I think a lot of people were super high in the first episode. I thought that was fun. For me, you know, it's interesting. I don't have as much connection to a lot of the older uh, Road Rules people. I never really watched Road Rules. Um, I kind of started with the challenge in like the mid-2000s. So some of these people, it was before uh, a lot of these people's time. So I don't have as much as the nostalgic connection. Uh, but I thought the second episode was good. I haven't really watched the third episode yet. Um, but I, you know, I think it's, I think it's fun. I think it's like a good compliment to the challenge. You know, I think if some of the people here eventually go to the all-stars, like a Johnny Bonanza or a Leroy and stuff like that, then that can be fun or even bring back some of the other older school people. Um, it can be, I think it's a good compliment, uh, to the, to the regular challenge for sure. Yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. I've only seen episode one. I'm excited to keep watching it. I feel like it's kind of incorporating a lot of like the older school challenge stuff. The episodes are only 40 minutes long. They're not in like a little quarantine bubble. They got, yeah. uh, you know, it just feels a little more normal. It does. Uh, and yeah. So I, I like it. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's fun. All right. Which Major League Baseball player would you like to see on the challenge? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. All right. So who who <laughs> would be good on the challenge? Um, I think, you know, I think you need to have like a you can't be like an overly strong big guy. So someone like a like Aaron Judge, I don't think would do too well. I think, you know, you need to have a little bit more lean. Yeah. Um, so I think someone like Mookie Betts would do pretty well. I know he's like a really top notch bowler. So it shows he has other Ooh, skill yeah. sets. So I think uh, Mookie could do do pretty well and i think if you wanted like pure chaos i think trevor bauer on the, the challenge uh <laughs> would uh you'd probably get in a fight in episode two would be kicked <laughs> off so you could have that as well i think ronald acuna jr would be must see tv on the challenge as well yeah. he'd bring the fireworks it'd be fun yeah, it, that would be a lot of the challenge version of uh major league baseball put that on uh, espn <laughs> plus or something and watch it go watch it go yeah, if we have a uh, if there's a Brant Steel simulator for ba- for uh, the challenge, maybe we can yeah. do something. Albert Destrada and I did uh, a couple months ago. We did our Major League Baseball Brant Steel simulation. So we, maybe fun. you and I can team a, team up on a challenge thing like that. That would be very very interesting to see how it would play out for sure. <laughs> All right, Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. This is a lot of fun. Would love to have you back sometime later this season if you're up for it. Uh, keep up the good work. And one more time, uh, how can people follow along with what you're doing and get in touch with you, social media and the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So you can uh, on Twitter, I'm at Cohen Brian underscore. You can follow me there as I, uh, you know, mostly tweeting about the challenge and uh, spit out my thoughts about the Yankee demise. So you can uh, see my thoughts about this weekend. It's a lot of dark, dark, dark thoughts there. <laughs> um, and again, the podcast is uh, Rob as website dot com slash challenge iTunes for our challenge coverage. All right, good stuff. Thank you so much, Brian. This is a lot of fun today. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, y'all. That does it for my conversation with Brian Cohen. Once again, from the Challenge RHAP Up podcast. Lots of fun having him here. Make sure you check out his work if you were not familiar with him. If you like the challenge, if you want to try out the challenge, the Challenge All-Stars is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. They have some of the uh, most notorious figures in the history of the show, and you can sign up through my site, jackvita.com slash paramount. And when you do that, you will uh, be supporting the show. So every time you sign up through the site, for the site, through my site, this podcast is funded, and you'll also get a free one-week trial. So try it out today. They got a lot of great content over there. 
my favorite streaming service, Paramount Plus, jackvita.com slash Paramount. Thanks again to Brian for joining me today. If you guys like this show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Keep on listening to the Jack Vita Show. Log on to my site, jackvita.com. Click on one of my posts and get on my email list so whenever there's new content available, you will be notified. I wrote a piece this past week about... Uh, these uh, alleged former Survivor contestants that are going on the next season of the challenge. So uh, make sure you check that out, guys, if you want to know who might be you might be seeing on the Challenge 37. And lots of sports stuff on there, too. I'll be writing more this week. All right, guys, I'll be back next week with, hopefully, I believe, for the next episode. It might be two episodes from now. But Garrett Powell from the bachelor nation he was a contestant on hannah brown season of the bachelorette he's a huge atlanta braves fan we will be talking about lots of baseball but also what it's like going on that show because i've never had anyone from the bachelor on this podcast before so get a little insight into that probably talk about life as well garrett and uh his faith So really excited to talk with him. Again, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. You can follow along on social media at Jack Vita Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, youtube.com slash Jack Vita. Until the next time that you guys hear from me, our podcast is adjourned. Bring in the dancing lobsters.